Ashley Brock reading Diane Palmer's book, Callaghan's Bride, Chapter 7. Why are you looking at me like that? Tess asked softly. His hands contracted on her waist for an instant before he suddenly came to his senses and realized what he was thinking, how impossible it was. He closed his eyes and breathed slowly until he got back. The control he'd almost lost, but her away from him was an odd tenderness. You're very young, he said. I only meant to comfort you. Things just got out of hand. I'm sorry. <laughs> she searched his eyes and knew that what they'd shared hadn't met, made a whit of difference in their turbulent relationship. He wanted her, all right, but there was guilt in his face. He thought she was too young for anything permanent. Or perhaps that was the excuse he had to use to conceal the real one, that he was afraid to get involved with a woman again because he'd been so badly hurt by one. She dropped her gaze to his broad chest, watching its jerky rise and fall curiously. He wasn't unaffected by her. That was oddly comforting. Thanks for getting rid of the bad memory, anyway, she said in a subdued tone. He hesitated before he spoke, choosing his words. Tess, it wasn't only that, he said softly. But you have to realize how things are. I've been alone for a long time. I let you go to my head. He took a long, harsh breath. I'm not a marrying man. Not anymore. But you're a marrying woman. <laughs> she ground her teeth together. Well, that was plain enough. She looked up at him, Reggie. I didn't propose. And don't get your hopes up, because I won't. Ever. So there. He cocked his head up for an instant. Something twinkled in his deep eyes. Never. I'm devastated. The humor was unexpected and it eased the pain of the awkward situation a little. She speaked up at him. You're very attractive, she continued. But it takes more than looks to make a marriage. You can't cook and you don't know which end of broom to use. Besides that, you throw cakes at people. He couldn't deny that. Her mouth still swollen from the hot kisses they shared, tucked up at the corners. I missed you by mouth. In fact, he reminded her, you weren't even in the room when I threw it. She held up and I'm sorry, it's too late for excuses. You're right off the list, my list of marriage prospects. I hope you can stay in the shock. He chuckled softly. So do I. She was still flushed, but she looked less tormented than she had. Are you all right now? He asked gently. She nodded and then said, Yes, thank you. She added her voice softer than she intended it to be. He only smiled. He won't be back, in case you're worried about that, he added. <laughs> I fired him on the spot. She turned around. I can't say I'm sorry about that. He wasn't what he seemed. Most men aren't. And the next time he accepts a date, I want to know first. <laughs> she stared at him. I beg your pardon. <laughs> you heard me. You may not consider me good husband material, he murmured, but I'm going to look out for your interests just the same. <laughs> he studied her seriously for a moment. If I can't seduce you, nobody else can either. What? Well, talk about sour grapes, she accused. Count on it, he agreed. And what if I want to be seduced, she countered. Not this week, he returned dryly. I'll have to look at my calendar. I didn't mean you. He, his black eyes slid up and down her body in the torn dress that she covered with a shirt. And did earlier, he murmured with a tender smile. And I wanted to. She said, so did I, but I won't propose, even if you beg. He shrugged power. He shrugged power. My heart's broken. She chuckled in spite of herself. Sure it is. She turned and reached for the doorknob. Tess. She glanced back at him. Yes? His face was solemn, no longer teasing. 
They told you about her, didn't they? <laughs> you met his brothers, had told her about his doomed engagement. She didn't pretend ignorance. Yes, they did. She was like, it was a long time ago, but it took me years to get over it. She was young, too, and she thought I was just what she wanted. But the minute I was out of sight, she found somebody else. And you think I would, too, because I'm not mature enough to be serious, she guessed. His broad chest rose and fell. That's about the size of it. You're pretty green, honey. It may be nothing more concentrated than a good case of repressed lusts. If that's my excuse, what's yours? She asked with pure Abstinence? That's my story, and I'm sticking to it like glue. She laughed softly. Coward? He lived in the You can write a check on that. I've been burned, and I've got scars to prove it. And I'm too, I'm too young to be in love with you. His heart jerked in his chest. The thought of Tess being in love with him made him his head spin. But he had to hold on to his common sense. That's right. His gaze went homey to her soft mouth. He could taste it all over again. He folded his arms over his broad chest and looked at her openly without amusement or mockery. Ears too young. Okay, just check in. She opened the door. A crash of thunder rumbled into the silence that followed. Seconds later, the bushes outside his window scratched, scratched against the glass at the wind, as the wind raged. Are you afraid of storms? He asked. She shook her head. Are you? I'll tell you tomorrow. <laughs> she looked puzzled. You spend enough time around livestock to know that thunderstorms play hell with cattle from time to time. We'll have to go out and check on ours if this keeps up. You can lie in your nice, soft, dry bed and think about all of us getting soaked to the skin. She thought about how bad summer colds could be. Wear a raincoat, she told him. He smiled at the affectionate concern, and it was in his eyes this time to Okay, boss. <laughs> That'll be the day. He lifted an eyebrow. You're big on songs these days, he murmured. That was one of Buddy Holly's. Want me to sing it to you? She realized literally which song he was talking about, and she shook her head. No, thanks. It would upset the neighbor's dogs, he glowed her. I have a good voice. <laughs> sure you do. As long as you don't use it for singing, she agreed. Good night, Callaghan. Thanks again for rescuing me. I can't let anything happen to the family biscuit chief, he said casually. Well, I'll starve. She let him get away with that. He might not believe in marriage, but he was different after their a dirt interlude. He never picked at her, teased her before. Come to think of it, she never teased him. She'd been too afraid. That was ancient history now. She gave him one last shy, smiling glance, and went out the door. He stood where she left him, his eyes narrowed, his body still seen with the pleasure she'd given him. She was too young. His mind knew it. If he could only convince the rest of him. <laughs> Surprisingly, Tess slept that night, despite the storms that rippled by one after another. The memory of Cag's tender, pa tender passion had all but blotted out the bad memories Gaines had given her. If only Cag wanted her on a permanent basis, at least they'd gotten past the awkwardness that followed that physical explosion of pleasure. It would make things easier for the both of them. She made breakfast the following morning, and there was nobody to eat it. One of the men went in gold looking came to the back door to explain why breakfast went untouched. It seemed that the high winds combined with trenching rain had brought down some huge oak trees right through several fences. While she slept soundly in the outer pasture, pasture cattle had gotten loose and had to be rounded up again, and the broken fences had to be mended. Half the outfit was soaked and all but frozen from the effort. The brothers had dragged in about daylight 
and fallen asleep too tired even for their beloved biscuits. It was almost noon before they came wandering into the kitchen. Breakfast had gone to the ranch dogs and the chickens, but she had beef and potatoes and a thick stew with biscuits waiting. Ray and Leo smiled at her. To her astonishment, Cat gave her an openly affectionate glance as he sat down at the head of the table and reached for the coffee pot. It amazes me how you always keep food hot. Leo remarked, thanks, Tess. We were dead on our feet when we finally got back in this morning. It was a rough night, I gather, she murmured as she ferret butter and jam to the table. Leo watched her curiously. We heard that you had one of your own. He said regarding that careless remark when he saw her flush. I'm sorry we didn't get our hands on gains before he ran for the border, he added. And the familiar funny man she'd come to know suddenly became someone else. That goes double for me. Ray added grimly. Well, it had well he had plenty of attention without counting on either of you, Cag remarked pleasantly. I understand that he left tire marks on his way out in the early hours of the morning. The shivering little weasel, he added. Amazing, isn't it? That Gaines actually walked away under his own steam. Leo told Ray. Ray nodded. And here we've been wasting our time, saving people from him, he indicated Cag, for years. People don't need saving from me, Cag offered. I'm not a homicidal maniac, and I can control my temper, he added. Leo purses Say, Tess, did the chocolate icing stain ever come completely off the wall? She was fumbling with a lid that wouldn't come off, flustered from the whole conversation, and wished that she could sink through the floor. Air, give me that. Cat said softly. She gave it to him. Their hands touched, and they looked at each other for just a second too long. Something the brothers picked up on immediately. Cat opened the jar and put it on the table while she went to get the spoons. I lose these dob thrown cakes of people. Ray remarked. Cat lifted the jar of apple butter and looked at his brother intently. Ray held up a hand and grinned sheepishly as he fell to eating his stew. If it's all right, I thought I'd go ahead and apply to the local technical school. Tess said quickly before she lost her for full classes in horticulture. You know? Sure, Leo said. Go ahead. Cag lifted his gaze to her slender body and remembered how sweet it had been to hold it in the silence of the study. He let her gaze fall back to his plate. He couldn't detour her. She didn't belong to him. She didn't need... An occupation, something that would support her. He didn't like the idea of her keeping house for anyone else. She was safe here. She might not be in some other household. And if she went as a commuter, she could still work for the brothers. I could live in the dormitory if you want. She continued arguably. That brought Cag's head up. Live in the dorm. Uh, live in the dormitory. What the hell for? He explained. His surprise took some of the gloom out of her heart. She clasped her hands tight in front of her against her new jeans. Well... He only said I could stay until summer, she said reasonably. It's summer now. He didn't say anything about staying until fall. Cag looked haunted. You won't find another job easily in the fall with all the high school seniors out grabbing them. He said courtly. glanced back at his plate. Stay until winter. She wondered why Ray and Leo were strangling on their coffee. Is it too strong? She asked, worried on to the cups. Just right. Leo <laughs> choked off. I think I caught a cold last night. I'm sorry. <clears throat> I need a tissue. Me too. Ray exploded. <clears throat> 
They almost knocked over their chairs in the rush to get out of the room. Muffled laughter floated back even after the door had been closed. Edits, Keg muttered. He looked up at Tess, and something brushed against his heart as softly as a butterfly. He could hardly breathe. She looked at him with eyes that loved him and hated the very feeling he wanted her to go. She knew he did, but he kept putting it off because he was sorry for her. She was so tired of being pitied by him. I don't mind living in the dormitory at school if you want me to leave here, she repeated softly. He got up from his chair and moved toward her. His big, lean hands rested on her shoulders, and he looked down from his great height with quiet, wondering eyes. She was already like part of him. She made him bubble inside, as if he'd had champagne. The touch of her, the taste of her, were suddenly all too familiar. How would you manage to support yourself without no job? He asked realistically. I could get something part-time at the school. And he'll bake biscuits for us, he asked softly. And worry about us when we're tired. He'll remember to set the alarm clocks and remind me to clean Herman's cage. He'll fuss if I don't wear my raincoat. He added affectionately. She shrugged. His hands felt nice. She loved their warmth and strength. Their tenderness tilted her chin up and searched her quiet eyes. Fires kindled deep in his body and made him hungry. He couldn't afford to indulge what he was feeling, especially not here in the kitchen where his brothers could walk in any minute. But while he was thinking it, his rebellious hands slid up to frame her face and he bent, brushing his mouth tenderly over her soft lips. You shouldn't let me do this, he whispered. Oh, I'm not, she said softly. I'm resisting you like crazy she reached up to lick her arms around his neck are you he smiled as he coaxed her lips under his and kissed her slowly she smiled against his mouth lifting toward him yes i'm fighting like mad can't you tell i love the way you fight me the kiss became possessive insistent feverish all in the space of seconds he lifted her against him and groaned the fierce passion she kindled in him so effortlessly only the sound of booted feet heading their way broke them apart set her down gently and struggled to get back in his chair and breathe normally he managed it just tess kept her back to their brothers until she could regain her own composure but she didn't realize that her mouth was swollen and the softness in her eyes was an equally vivid giveaway. Cag was cursing himself and circumstances under his breath for all he was worth. Having her here was going to be an unbearable temptation. Why hadn't he agreed to let her live at the school? Because he ached for her. That was why he was alive as he'd never been in seven long years. The thought of going back into the show was painful. His black eyes settled on Tess. He wondered how long he could ever have lived from day to day without looking at her at least once. He was getting a fixation on red curly hair and pale freckled skin. She was too young for him. He knew that, but he couldn't seem to keep his hands off her. He didn't know what he was going to do. If he didn't find something to occupy him and quickly, he was going to end up seducing her. That would be the end of the world. <coughs> the absolute end. Tess borrowed one of the ranch trucks the next morning after breakfast and drove herself to the campus of the Jacobsville Vocational Technical School. The admission office was easy to find. She was given forms to fill out, a course schedule for the fall quarter, and an advance advice on financial assistance from there she went to the financial office and filled out more forms it took until lunch to finally finish but she had a sense of accomplishment by the time she left the campus on her way back to the ranch she stopped in at the local cafe and had coffee and a sandwich while she did some thinking about her situation 
Cag said he didn't want her to move out, but did he really mean it? Or was he just sorry for her? He liked kissing her, but he didn't want to keep doing it. He seemed to not be able to stop. Maybe she thought that was the whole problem. She made him forget all the reasons why he shouldn't get involved with her every time he came close. If she was gone, of course, he wouldn't get close enough to have his sculptures damaged, but he said that he didn't want her to leave. It was a puzzle she couldn't seem to solve. The sandwich tasted flat, although it was roast beef, one of her favorites. She put it down and stared at it without seeing. Thinking of giving it its freedom, huh? Leo asked with a grin. He sat down across from her. He took off his hat, laid it on the chair beside him, and gestured toward the sandwich. I hate to tell you this, but there's absolutely no way to, known to science that a roast beef sandwich can be rejuvenated. He leaned for conspicuously. Take it from a beef expert. She chuckled the spiders at us. Oh, Leo, you're just impossible. She choked. It runs in the family. He held up a hand. And when the waitress came to see what he wanted, he ordered coffee. No lunch? Tess asked. She was no time. I'm due at the Brewster's in 45 minutes for a business meeting over lunch. Rubber chicken and overdone potatoes like last time, he muttered. Glance said, I wish you were cooking for it instead of Brewster's daughter. She's pretty as picture and I hear tell she had operatic aspirations, but she couldn't make canned soup taste good. He sounded so disgusted that Tess smiled and spied herself. Are you going to buy yourself or are the brothers going to? Just cagging me. Ray escaped on a morning flight to Tulsa to close a land deal up there. She lowered her eyes to his half-finished sandwich. Does Cag like her? Miss Brewster. Yes, Cag doesn't like women, period. Thought you knew. She said she was pretty. Like half a dozen other women who have fathers in the cattle business, he agreed. Some of them can't even cook. But as you know, Cag gave up on women when he was thrown over for a younger man. Hell, the guy was only three years younger than him at that. She used his age as an excuse. It wasn't really. She just didn't want him. The other guy had money, too, and she did want him. I see. He sipped coffee and burst his lips softly. I've told you before how Cag reacts to women. Most of the time, he reminded her, he runs, he smiled. Of course, he's been doing his best to run from you since last Christmas. She looked at him with her heart and eyes. He has? She asked. Sure, he wants you to go off to school so you'll remove temptation from his path. But he also wants you to stay at the ranch while you go to school in case you run into any handsome eligible bachelors there. I think he plans to save you from them. If you do, she was confused to the tone. He said, he related, that you shouldn't be exposed to potential suitors without us to protect you. She didn't know whether to laugh or cry. He had a pan when she started to be. He thinks you should commute. But he doesn't want me at the ranch, don't you see? She asked miserably, running a hand through her short curly hair. He came sleeping to get away from me. Why would he leave if you weren't getting to him? He asked reasonably. It's still a rotten way to live, she said pointedly. Maybe if... Maybe if I go to school, I'll meet somebody who'll think I'm old enough for them. Oh, that's just sour grapes, he murmured dryly. You have no idea how sour, she replied. I give up. I can't spend the rest of my rest of my life hoping that he'll change his mind about me. He's had almost a year, and he has to change the thing. <laughs> he stopped throwing cakes, he said. Because I stopped baking them, he checked his watching room. I'd love to stay here and talk recipes with you, but I'm late. He got up and smiled. Don't brood, okay? I have a feeling that things are going to work out just fine. That wasn't what she thought, but he was gone before she could put that thought into words. End of chapter 7.